grow your IT career with online IT training from Full Stack Journey sponsor, IT Pro TV. Just for you listening, there is a special offer, a seven-day free trial and discount of 30% off all plans. Visit itpro.tv slash full for seven days free and 30% off. Use promo code full at checkout. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey Podcast, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional. Thanks so much for listening. I am your host, Scott Lowe, and my goal today, as always, is to help equip and prepare listeners for their journey of learning across the full stack of technologies that are present in today's data centers and cloud environments. I have uh, a multi-guest show for you today as we tackle the idea of learning to program in the Go programming language. So I've got three different guests who are joining me, each to share uh, their perspective and their experience in learning and working with the Go programming language. And I hope that these perspectives will prove useful for listeners in shaping their own journey of learning, whether it be learning the Go programming language or whether it be learning a different programming language. But with so many cloud-native projects focusing or using uh, the Go programming language, I think this is a very pertinent topic for us to delve into. So with that, let's jump right into the content. Our first guest of the show is Lee Briggs. Lee, how are you today? I'm great, thanks. Thanks very much, Scott. Oh, thank you for uh, hopping on the show. Uh, this is one that I've been planning for a while, so I'm very excited to finally see it uh, come to production. Um, before we get into the questions, and I'm, I'm anxious to, to hear um, what you have to, to share with the listeners. Why don't you just do a quick uh, you know, introduction? Who are you? Where do you work? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, my, as you said, my name is Lee Briggs. Uh, I'm based in Seattle and I'm originally from the UK. I moved here three years ago. Uh, I currently work at uh, Pulumi, um, which is an infrastructure as code tool, which uniquely allows you to use Go to define your infrastructure. Uh, and I've been here uh, about four months now. Uh, and before that, I was working as a system administrator for a SaaS company based here in, in Seattle. Awesome. Awesome. Pulumi is uh, definitely something I'm familiar with. In fact, we had... Um I think Luke on uh, an earlier show talking about Pulumi, pretty sure it was Luke, it might have been Joe. Either way, but we did do a show on Pulumi uh, a little while back, so uh, great to have you on. Um, of course, we're not going to be talking about Pulumi necessarily this time around, but we're going to be talking about Go. So um, let's start with why did you learn Go? Like what led you to start learning the Go programming language? Um, as I mentioned, I uh, kind of came from a system administration background, so not a formal development background. Um, and I resisted pretty hard the idea that I would learn a programming language outside of a scripting language like Bash uh, until I got to the point where I had to start providing uh, reusable tools for um, people that I was helping support in, in one of my previous roles. Um, and I chose Go simply because I was having a really hard time with dependency management for, for my supported customers in, in languages like Python and Ruby. Um, and so the allure of Go was around being able to create a, a binary that I could distribute to any operating system and any user um, and have them you know, pretty reliably be able to use it without actually having to do a bunch of you know, pre-planned steps around dependency management. Okay. All right. That makes sense. And I think your background as a systems administrator will probably resonate with a fair number of listeners 
Um, my background as well comes more out of the infrastructure side, infrastructure and systems administration. And uh, because of that, a lot, I think a lot of the listeners who come to the show also share that background. So I think they can probably identify with sort of, you know, what you're describing there, right? As terms of, you know, resisting learning programming languages and that kind of thing, or not having formal programming experience. My, um, my resistance was not around the, um, the, the belief that I wasn't able to do it. It was more the intimidation. Um, and Go, I think, is very, very approachable for people who are used to scripting languages in terms of the syntax and the way it operates. There's no object orientation. Um, and so it's, it's a lot more approachable, in, in my opinion. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So that's, that's good to know. And, and I think good for the listeners to know that if they're thinking about a programming language, maybe... Uh, they should consider Go um, as opposed to some of the others. But with that in mind, thinking about folks who are new to the Go programming language or are thinking of starting to learn Go for whatever reason, what advice would you give to, you know, new gophers, right? Folks who are new to the Go programming language um, that would help them along their journey. Um, I think the the thing that really benefited me is that I had an actual problem that I wanted to solve. Um, and I wanted to be able to know that I was kind of going along the journey. So rather than, um, you know, following tutorials and, and learning abstract concepts around structs and methods and interfaces, um, I had an idea of what I wanted to make, uh, which at the time was a, a pretty small, simple command line tool that would output some JSON. Um, and having that kind of end goal, um, first of all, gave you that sense of accomplishment. But secondly, um, very gradually allowed me to kind of introduce new concepts as I went along. Um, and so that, that's the kind of advice that I, that I would give. Find a problem that you're having to deal with on a regular basis and, and tackle it in this new programming language. Um, because you'll, you'll get the sense of accomplishment, but you also have that kind of gradual, um, gradual path that you can go on. And, and the first, you know, the first couple of days is always the toughest. And then as you start to make some momentum, you, you kind of get that endorphin rush as well. Like, Oh, I've solved a new problem. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. I, I can attest from my own experience in attempting to learn various programming languages to varying levels of success or, or not, um, that, the idea of having something to work on is critically important. Like just working through it, uh, you know, the, the syntax of a language or, you know, learning the meanings of the methods or the functions that you're calling. Um, it's not, I mean, yeah, you need to know that, but like nothing for me at least, and it sounds like you agree, really ties it together better than trying to solve a problem. Yeah, I mean, um, at the time I was trying to solve something where I was having to manually build JSON, and um, you know there was there was a bunch of manual steps where I was copying and pasting stuff from one API into a JSON file, and something from a second API into a JSON file, um, and and having that kind of desired end state um, really helped kind of introduce me to those concepts very gradually. Um, and, you know, I had the benefit of knowing that I knew this API, I knew the second API, so I was already starting from a very positive position of not being completely new to everything. Um, and I was just taking two things that I already knew and just doing it in a new language. And I think that really helped um, me along my journey. Yeah, I think that that speaks a little bit to something that I, I talked about um, a couple episodes ago, and that was sort of like finding these adjacent areas where you already have some expertise in something, like in this case, it was you have knowledge of the APIs with which you're working, 
and you have knowledge of JSON and the other technologies that are involved with these APIs. And now you're just kind of expanding into this adjacent area and saying, I'm taking that knowledge I already have and now adding it, you know, or using that language in this adjacent area, which is learning how to manipulate these APIs or glue these APIs together using Go. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, it sounds like you've tackled a fair number of things in, in programming with Go. What, what's next for you? Like, you know, where, where do you envision, you know, going, sorry, no pun intended there, I'm sort of next in your journey of, of learning um, this programming language or using it to solve problems. Uh, something from like the Go, uh, the Go set of concepts that, that I still don't really feel like is um, a, a, a strong area of my understanding is when to start kind of moving from very, very flat. Um, and I, I use that word loosely, like very flat uh, kind of long functions into uh, methods and interfaces. And, you know, despite kind of writing things in Go for, for three or four years, um, I've managed to be relatively um, productive and, and create tools that um, people that I'm supporting and using um you know, using things uh, that I make are, are very happy with, but the the actual code is usually there's a lot of repetition. Um, there's a lot of um, you know, kind of copying and pasting between different parts of the um, you know command line tools. And I'd really like to start growing into understanding when it's time to implement a method, when it's time to implement an interface, and how to use those, and really just just be prouder of the code that I'm writing rather than having it be functional. Um, something that I personally espouse to is that. Something functional is better than something that is well-written. Um, if the thing that is well-written is going to take you X amount more time. So I would rather ship something and know that it's doing its job and know that it's reliable and then come back and rewrite it later rather than kind of getting stuck in that loop where you're continuously going around trying to optimize things. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I think it's well worth reiterating to folks who are new to programming of any sort um, and, and programming in Go is is the same way, and that is that you need to focus on you know code that works initially, right, rather than code that is you know sort of like the perfect ideal idiomatic code, right. Um, uh, focus on you know making something that works, like you said. Focus on shipping it, and then going back later as you grow in experience and skill and knowledge with the language, and you can begin to. Uh, you know, more closely follow principles, you know, like dry, don't repeat yourself and using modules or functions or methods or interfaces, whatever is applicable um, in, in, in what you're trying to do. So I think it, that's, that's good to know because I mean, even, even myself as a, as a newcomer to the language, I get out and I start writing something and I'm like, oh man, you know, this, this code is awful, right? But the focus is on making sure it works first and then making it better later. Absolutely. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Awesome. Thanks so much, Lee, for, um, for sharing some of that. Before we wrap up, um, any, any closing thoughts you want to share with listeners about, you know, the process of, of learning Go or, or the choice of, you know, saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into this and, and start using it or, or anything else? I would say that, you know, Go is a relatively new and evolving language and, um, you know, features are consistently being added and, you know, the way to do things in the most, uh, you know, following best practices can sometimes be a little bit, um, you know, uh, overwhelming. Um, you know, the, the, the package manager for Go has changed several times and, um, you know, there's, there's lots of uh, documentation about how they're going to change the language. What I would say is try not to get wrapped up in that, um, you know, like, um, you, you can pin yourself to a specific version of Go and, and kind of get comfortable with what you know. And then, um, you know, the, some of the newer concepts, um, 
you know, it's possible to bring those in later. Um, so pick a version, stick with the version until you, you feel comfortable with it. Um, and, and don't, don't try and learn everything in, in, in too fast a manner, if that makes sense. Um, and, and that, um, you know, I, I find myself, I found myself getting wrapped up in the idea that, you know, I had to learn about generics and I had to learn about, uh, the go module ecosystem and, um, it, that, that significantly slowed me down. Um, so I, I would recommend just kind of picking a version and sticking to it. Got it. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. We all know that technology changes, you know, constantly, like the, one of the mantras that I repeat frequently on the show is the only constant is change. And it sounds like that's certainly true here with the Go programming language as well. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, Lee. I appreciate you being on the show. Thanks very much, Scott. The next guest on the show uh, to talk about learning the Go programming language is Jeremy Rickard. Jeremy, how are you? I am great. How are you doing, Scott? I am doing well. Uh, thank you for asking. Um, so hopefully, uh, as I'm recording the show, I have contractors here at the house who are installing new windows. So we'll see how good this microphone is and whether we uh, pick up any background noise or not. Um, so, uh, uh, Jeremy, why don't you give a little bit of background about yourself, kind of you know, who you are, what you do, what you're involved in these days? Yeah, so I am a engineer at VMware, and my team is responsible for providing um, kind of managed Kubernetes for a lot of VMware SaaS services. So... There's a couple of things that go into that. We, you know, we deploy Kubernetes, but we're building some things on top of it. So that's kind of where my use of Go comes in right now. Uh, before that, I worked at VM, or sorry, at Microsoft, and I worked on open source projects, kind of in the cloud native space. Um, started out working on Service Catalog and Open Service Broker for Azure, which is a way of provisioning services via Kubernetes, like in Azure Cloud. Um, also worked on some things around uh, other tooling in the space, but almost all of it was Go. Um, so that kind of gave me the chance to dive in. That was my first like, really in-depth uh, job that was primarily focused on Go. I started learning Go before that at my previous stint at VMware. So I'm at VMware now. I was at VMware before Microsoft. And we really started investigating Go for a couple of reasons. One, we were doing um, you know, the same project, uh, providing this thing called VDP, VMware Developer Platform. And as part of that, we... Uh, you know, wrote a lot of services that were going to run on top of it. And at the time, we were doing pr primarily Java. And this was 2016, 2017. Um, Java wasn't the best thing, I think, for containerized applications. Uh, so we were looking at something, to, you know, like what, what's the, the thing that people are using in the cloud native space? What's the maybe the next language that we should learn for this? Um, but also, we were starting to work on some CLI tooling. And again, that was in Java. And... Uh, we thought, oh, this is not the best mechanism for distributing this. We want to be able to give people CLI tooling that they can use on Mac, on their Windows machines, maybe they're using Linux, uh, without having to distribute the JVM and you know, make sure they have a certain version of that. And the, one of the cool things about Go is that it can compile these static binaries. Uh, so we thought that was a really attractive um, reason for using Go. Even if we didn't switch our containerized applications to that, just building the CLI with Go seemed like it was going to be a, a win for us. And that's really where I started learning Go. Um, I'd heard of it before, but I never really had the uh, motivation, I guess, from work to, to start learning it. I'm, I've been a, I had been a Java developer at that point for a long, long time. Uh, kind of like the, the VMware stack at that time was very Java-centric. Uh, and all my previous jobs had been Java or Python related. So I never really had the the need to learn Go at that point, um, other than dabbling a little bit here and there. Uh, so picking that project up, I think was the, the real impetus for me to, 
to start learning Go. Gotcha. Okay. So we know we know why you started learning Go. You're kind of driven um, for you know by work projects, right? Um, what would you say to someone else who is considering learning Go? Like, why should they think about learning Go? Yeah. So I think there are any number of reasons why you might want to consider learning any language, but I think Go fits into a couple of buckets that are pretty relevant to today's um, technology scene, or I guess the uh, you know the tech world. Um, so one, a lot of things in the cloud native space, Kubernetes as a prime example, are built in Go. So if you want to contribute to those upstream projects or um, build things that kind of fit into that model, I think Go is a really attractive language for that. Uh, again, kind of going back to that, you know, building static binaries, it's really easy to build containerized applications because they don't bring along a lot of extra dependencies. You can make really small um, containers that have almost no things baked into them other than your binary for your, your Go application. It reduces the attack footprint a lot. It just simplifies things quite a bit. Um, if you're going to build CLI tooling, I think Go is another, again, is like a really good uh, language for that purpose. One of the things I worked on at Microsoft was a tool called Porter. And I think that we were able to build this CLI that we could distribute for almost any platform that we could cross-compile Go to. And, uh, make it really easy for people to pick up. And a lot of times I think working on open source projects, people are kind of myopic on like, oh, this is gonna run on Linux or this is gonna be very specific to one architecture or OS. And I think Go is really cool because you can compile to a lot of different things. Um, so we had people using our, our tool on Windows. We had people using it on you know Microsoft, so Windows. Um, we had people using it in Windows subsystem for Linux, which is Linux, but on Windows. We, of course, were using Max as uh, our development platform, um, but it, it just gave us the, you know, the instant ability to start shipping that tool on a bunch of different platforms and a bunch of different OSs and really widen the, the net, I guess, to try to capture users for it. I think that aside from those things, it's a pretty easy language to learn. Um, I mean, learning any language is not the, the easiest task, obviously, but... I think Go makes a lot of simplifications that you know, doesn't bring along a lot of complexities that are in other languages. Like in Java, generics can kind of be hard to get your head around. I think that Go just kind of brings a simplicity with it that makes it easier to ramp up on. Um, we have a couple of people on our team that right now that, you know, they, they're not really Go developers, but they're able to be pretty proficient and, and deliver some code with a fairly small ramp up time, more less so than I think if they were trying to use another language. Gotcha. Okay. So looking back on it now, a lot of times once we get started down a journey of learning some new technology, you know, we get, we get to good little ways down the, down the road and, um, and we look back on it and we're like, Oh, you know, I just, I just learned this particular aspect of whatever it is we're doing. And I really wish I had known that, you know, back when I got started. Yeah. Um, so is there something that jumps out to your mind? Um, you know, like, Hey, I wish I had known this thing that I know now, when I first started getting into learning Go, and maybe that would be something that would be useful to listeners who are also you know, getting ready to take that same journey. Yeah, so when I started learning Go, I, for me, like textbooks and, and printed books, so I have a couple of Manning books um, around Go, so Go in Practice uh, and Go in Action. I think I started using those as my kind of foray into learning Go. And I think that was, somewhat effective for me. It gave me overview of the syntax and kind of helped me learn the language, but it didn't really give me a good idea about what, what idiomatic Go might look like or what really maintainable code written in Go would look like. 
some of those things, I guess, are not really language specific. It's just kind of general software development skills. But I think Go has some opinions uh, and it's better if you work with those things. So the, the one thing that I think I w- wish that I would have done differently, maybe two things. Um, one, I would have looked at more open source projects as like a, a source of knowledge or, or like, you know, to help me along that journey. Because I think you can learn a lot by reading sample code or reading um, what other people have done. So that's probably the first one. And then the, the second one, I think, is I would actively seek out uh, people in the community that are producing content. Um, so there's a bunch of great podcasts or video casts. Uh, I didn't really find those things until much later. When I was already at Microsoft, I kind of became aware of some of them. And I think that watching and listening to those helped me more than reading the books that I picked up originally. I think um, working through code helped me a lot too, but hearing you know lessons from people like um, the, the Just for Funk podcast or Go Time or um, Go in Five Minutes, who, which was made by a person ended up being my manager at Microsoft, oddly enough, um, I think gave me a lot more little like tangible pieces that I could learn from rather than kind of self-teaching myself, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. And, and you know, we all learn in slightly different ways and we have different mm-hmm. learning styles. Um, uh, I think for, for all learners, the kinesthetic um, aspect, which is the actual doing of it, is important. And yeah. perhaps I could be wrong here, but I think, you know, especially important with writing code. But some people do better with video content or audio content. Some people do better with books. Some people do better with a mix of those. Um, and so it's important to kind of recognize that, that, you know, hey, if you're a listener and you're thinking about tackling the process of learning Go, you know, we're going to have some of these resources in the show notes um, that Jeremy mentioned. So check them out. You may find that, you know, uh, they are more applicable to your learning style um, and your learning process than perhaps, you know, picking up a book and trying to read, you know, whatever, right? So yeah. um, good good point. Thank you for bringing that up. So, uh, you know, you've done quite a bit of work, you know, you're, you're, you've gotten involved in various open source projects and all that kind of stuff and go, what would you kind of say, you know, is kind of your next step? Like what's next for you in your journey of learning Go? I think the, the thing that I'm most interested in doing now is starting to look at some of the proposals for Go2. Um, you know, when we're using Go right now, we're using Go1.x. Uh, and there's been a lot of things that have come along the way, um, and new features and things to learn. But I'm really interested to see where the language is going, being a little bit more proactive, I guess, and learning some of that along the way. I think that I've been doing Go for maybe three years now. So I don't consider myself an expert by any stretch of the imagination. I think I've gotten to the point where I'm, I feel pretty competent writing code now uh, in Go. And I feel like I'm ready to do that next step of trying some experimental things out, just honing my skills a little bit more. So my plan for the next uh, however many moons that I work on Go stuff um, is to start looking to a little bit more of that feature forward, forward leaning stuff. Um, learning about uh, generics may be a thing that comes into to go later on. Um, just kind of reading through those proposals, understanding them, and hopefully providing some feedback. Um, I feel like I've been a consumer uh, of Go and not really a um, contributor. Uh, so I think that's an area that I'm interested in, in going next, doing some contributions, maybe fixing bugs, um, looking at some of the things that are open for contribution, docs, 
things like that. Cool. All right. Awesome. Um, okay. As we wrap up uh, with you, Jeremy, any sort of closing thoughts you want to share with listeners? Any sort of final things? You know, hey, you're you're getting ready to learn Go. Don't forget to X. Yeah. Don't don't forget to actually you know play with the language and and find some examples and uh, and work towards them. I think that it's a it's a fun language to work in. As I started doing more and more in Go, I initially thought like, oh, I missed some certain things from Java. So like writing Java for a long time, I used the Spring Framework. And I thought, oh, it'd be so much nicer if I didn't have to do some of this boilerplate code that Spring is providing me. But in the end, you know, I think that it's, it's actually nicer to have a little bit more explicitness, um, especially if somebody, if people are moving from team to team or you're going to pick up a project that somebody else has started. I think the explicitness that Go provides there is, is actually nice and helps kind of get you up to speed and understand what's happening rather than having to kind of divine the magic of some of those frameworks. It's a great community too. Uh, there's lots of resources that you can find. Um, like Scott mentioned, I think some of these will be in the, the show, the notes for the show. Um, but there's also uh, Kubernetes or sorry, there's a, there's a go um, Slack channel. Um, and uh, it's a great place to go ask questions and get involved. I think that was one of the other things that probably would have helped me out a little bit more um, was finding that, when I was actively learning things so that I could go and interact with people a little bit more, um, ask questions and kind of work through uh, advice from people in a little bit more interactive uh, manner. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, we all need sort of that scaffolding, if you will, as we're learning a new technology, whether it's, you know, learning, you know, Kubernetes for the first time or learning vSphere for the first time or, you know, getting into networking or whatever it is, right? That having that scaffolding of a community around you that is willing to help you uh, grasp those concepts and master what's going on is certainly very, very helpful. So, well, awesome. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for getting on the show and sharing your experience in learning Go. I hope, uh, listeners, that you found some of what Jeremy had to say um, helpful um, and that it helps you in your uh, journey of learning. So thanks, Jeremy. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, thanks. Aiding your journey to becoming a full-stack engineer is full-stack journey sponsor, IT Pro TV. Going full-stack is partly about career growth, right? And online IT training from IT Pro TV, that can help you grow. And they can help you, the savvy full-stack journey listener, grow at a 30% discount off of all IT Pro TV plans. More on that in a minute. A recent MIT study found that IT occupations have grown by 19.5% between 2004 and 2019. Compared to other jobs, that's more than eight times the growth over the past decade. That's right, earnings have grown significantly for individuals working in IT. So if you're in IT, you've picked the right gig. But don't set your career on cruise control thinking, eh, it's all good. Change is the norm as evidenced by the full stack movement, right? And to keep earning that big paycheck, you need to keep your skills up. IT Pro TV has you covered from CompTIA and Cisco to EC Council and Microsoft and many more vendors, more than 4,000 hours of on-demand training. Engaging hosts present information in a talk show format and they're live every day. And shows go from that live studio to the web in 24 hours so that you can stream them. Courses are conveniently listed by category, certification, and job role, and you can stream those courses live and on demand worldwide via Chromecast, Roku, Apple TV, PC, or their iOS or Android apps. Learn IT, pass your certs, and land that fancy new full stack job you've had your eye on with IT Pro TV. 
Visit itpro.tv slash full for a seven-day free trial and 30% off all plans. Use promo code full at checkout. That's itpro.tv slash full and use promo code full at checkout. One more time, itpro.tv slash full and use promo code full at checkout to try it free for seven days and save 30% off all plans. And now back to today's discussion. And our final guest of the episode is Adam Simpson. Adam, how are you doing today? Hey, pleasure to be here. I'm doing well. Well, thank you so much for getting on. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time. So why don't you just take a minute and uh, you know give the readers a little bit of background on who you are and why you're here on the podcast talking about learning Go. Sure. Yeah. So as you mentioned, my name is Adam Simpson. I'm a tech director at Sparkbox, which is a web agency. Um, because of the pandemic, we're remote everywhere, obviously. Um, but we used to have an office in Dayton and an office in Pittsburgh. Um, and we're about almost 50 people. And I got into Go um, because we're client-based and we had a client come in um, with a pretty sizable Go project. And we told them like, hey, we don't really have any devs who who could jump on this right now. Um, but if you want, if you give us a week or two, we can try to level some folks up. And I was tasked with that task. So I uh, helped get two of our devs up and running with Go um, and learned a lot in that process. Awesome. Well, that sounds like you are very well um, positioned then to be able to share with the listeners some ideas for how they might be able to um, accelerate their own journey of learning. So again, thanks for taking the time. So let's let's just jump right in then. So you've, you've got a, this project, you've got some devs who need to get up to speed. Where did you start? Yeah, so I think that is the important caveat to this is if you are new to programming in general, um, I, I don't know if what I'm going to kind of talk through is really going to help that much. Um, I mean, it, it would certainly help, but you're going to you'll need to understand programming concepts for a lot of this to be effective, right? Um, all our devs are proficient in some area of the web typically. So, you know, that's usually JavaScript uh, for most things these days. Um, could be PHP, right? Could be, I mean, those are the big two actually. So that that's, the, I'll get that caveat out of the way. You know, so how I got started was, okay, I have two programmers here, never written Go, they are programmers, where do I start? And so honestly, the Go docs are really, really good. Um, the tour of Go, is was like the first bullet point in the doc I sent of just like go through this. Now the tour of Go is very comprehensive. And so I kind of caveated that by saying like go up until like the more type section of the thing of, uh, the, you know, when you click next through all the various modules. And I, I think a big part of learning any language, but you know, Go fits this is you need to go and write some things in that, in that language yourself. And so I was, you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with advent of code, um, but it's a yearly in December coding challenge website. Um, every day, a new challenge is unlocked and you solve the, solve the, the problem and submit your answer and you get to advance to the next day kind of thing. Um, and so I said, you know, to get started with Go, run through the tour of Go up until about more types and then, you know, jump over and do a couple days of the 2019 Advent of Code challenges. Yeah, um, you know, one of the other guests earlier on the show did share that, you know, it's really, really important to have a, a, a project, if you will, like a challenge or a problem that you're trying to solve as you're working through a language because just trying to work through a language and learn the syntax and, you know, this means that and that means this and blah, 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 it doesn't really help them, uh, you know, uh, 
really gain a mastery of how I can apply that, right? So I think mm -hmm. your reminder that, you know, we need practical application of the concepts, whether that be through advent of code, which I wasn't familiar with, so thank you with that. Mm -hmm. Or yeah. I've also heard of uh, some other sites like uh, Exorcism, yep. um, uh, which is another similar sort of scenario, right? Um, where you go and you do codes and mentors will review it and so on and so forth. So that's um, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, if you were to just like Google coding katas, there's a, tons of sites out there that do coding type challenges um, and give you a problem and you go solve it in your language of choice kind of thing. So um, I, I think the also, the other interesting thing um, about Go as opposed like, so I've also written some Rust recently too, is I found Go very readable and I think our devs found it very readable as well. So when you're going on to a pro like, when you're going on to an existing code base, I think they found it much easier to understand what was going on much more quickly, even if they weren't totally comfortable with all of the advanced concepts of Go, they could at least understand, oh, I know what this file is doing. Like I can, you know, line by line, I can make my way through this function and understand what's going on, which is a huge thing. Like being able to read a language is almost more important than being able to write it, I think. So yeah, I can, I can say from my own experience, um, you know, total, total beginner here, you know, I, I've, 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 done some, but nothing, nothing major or significant. And, um, I, I'm, I'm getting to the point now, starting to get to the point now where I can read go code and kind of say, Oh, okay. I have a rough idea of what's happening here. Like this little thing right here, you know, this thing where somebody tried to be clever, I might not have figured that part out yet, but for the most part, I can kind of walk through and, and have a rough idea of what's going on on, on smaller projects. When you get into the really big yeah. projects, it becomes more challenging. So for sure. Um, so you mentioned a couple of resources that you used with um, these developers. So you mentioned the tour of Go, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is off of the Golang website, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. You mentioned um, Advent of Code, and then I mentioned Exorcism. What other resources um, did you find helpful uh, in getting these developers up to speed to work on this project? So Pluralsight has a course on Go um, that I think was helpful. It depends. So you can start to get into kind of how do you learn best and everyone has their own learning style. For some folks, you know, a video tutorial series like like a Pluralsight course is really effective. That's not, I've, I've always been the kind of person who's like, let me just try to break stuff and see what what's going on. Like, let me just get in an argument at the computer. That's the best way I'm going to figure out what's going on. So, but the Pluralsight course is really good. Go by example, I'm sure has come up already. It pops up in just about any Google result for anything Go related, but it's also very browsable, I found. And to go back to that previous point about reading Go, you know, going to Go by example and being like, okay, interfaces, I need to figure out how to like, how does, how do you get a method onto an interface? Like, what's that look like? Go by example has a great, you know, example of that. And then effective Go uh, is another one. Um, and that's also on the Go again, the Golang site, but Effective Go I found really helpful as well just to kind of overall concepts and like, here's why we're doing things this way kind of thing. Because as as you learn a programming language, the first step is, you know, with a compiled language especially, does it compile? The second step is, well, wait, was that the right way to do it? <laughs> so, you know, trying to to go from, oh, it compiles, yay, to I d it compiles and it's the correct way to do it. You know, correct as in like, the effect, you know, the, the way the, the language wants you to do it. Um, so I found those, those, uh, those resources helpful as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I, I have found so far that I can, I can make something work, you know, depending on what it is I'm doing. Right. And, uh, you know, there's, a, I will admit there's a little bit of, you know, 
uh, stack overflow, uh, copy paste going on. Right? We're all that person, whether okay. we want to admit it or not, we're all that person. <laughs> that's good. That's good to hear. I don't feel so bad then. Um, and, uh, but what I, what I haven't found a good resource for yet is more of that concept, like the why, like, okay, here, you know, do blah, 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 blah to solve X problem. Okay. But why do we do that? Like, and so certainly if, um, if, uh, you know, others find themselves in the same scenario, then it sounds like effective go, uh, mm-hmm. might be a good resource for kind of understanding those higher level concepts and the why you are going through steps A, B and C, D, right? Yeah. And I think the other thing that helps with why is being able to, to specify the, the question. Um, so for, to go back to the interface example, cause this was something that was just kind of weird that a weird thing about go that I didn't really understand right away is the way that, um, methods are implicitly mapped to an interface, right. Um, with the, um, uh, receiver pointer, that was just kind of a weird way to do that in my mind. And so I, once I like saw go by example and saw, okay, that's how it works. Then I was able to take that and be like, okay, now my question is why, why are, you know, methods implicitly mapped like that? And there, that turns out to be a literal FAQ on the go site, which was helpful. And, but that led me down the path of, okay, well, there's two ways to do this. There's a pointer. You can do this by pointer. You can do this by value. It seems that pointer is the way to go from what I'm reading. Why is that the case? And so you kind of start to like peel back these layers of, you know, you're starting with a very small case of, you know, methods on an interface. And then you're ending up asking larger kind of philosophical questions about the language of pointers or values, you know, what's preferred in what cases. And there's some really great, you know, Stack Overflow answers that I stumbled across where people just start kind of doing like a mini blog post in a Stack Overflow answer where they're talking about, here's why, here's the benefits, here's what, you know, if you're doing a big struct, you should do it this way. If a small struct, do it this way. Um, and I just find that stuff, you know, starting from a simple thing and working your way out and broader um, just to be a pretty uh, effective and natural way to go. Yeah, I think that definitely does model the natural way people tend to learn. Um, so I agree with that. Um, okay, so uh, looking back on this now, um, you know, having done this and having helped you know, a couple of these developers get up to speed, what advice would you give to folks who are brand new to the Go programming language? Folks who are just now at the start of their own journey of learning, what would you tell them? Uh, take your time and just read a lot at first. Um, is what I would say. I think it's at least my tendency, and I've noticed this with other folks as well, is the tendency to just go, 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 and pun not intended at all, um, but just, you know, slam some code in there, see what the compiler says. But, you know, I think with Go, the authors of Go clearly have opinions on the design of the language and how they want it, how they envision it working. So I think it makes sense to start by reading um, those docs. Um, and then I think like... Uh, and this is where it gets tricky. If if you're inheriting it, if you're going onto an established code base, go start looking through um, some common like paths through the code and trying to get trying to read it. You know, so for the arbitrary example, like like looking like if you have any uh, like service files, and I'm using that as a generic term, but just like you know a file that has that's a self-contained module, for example, that does a thing go look at it and try to read through it and understand it. Um, I just, cause you're going to, not only do you have to understand go, but you need to understand the project context and how they're choosing to make decisions on that project. Right. Um, that's, you know, just collaboration with their devs. That's what you have to do. If it's, I just want to learn go, I don't have a project yet. Um, I'm totally new. 
like get a project per your previous point. Like that if you have an idea for something you want to do, great. If you need an idea, like think of a small, silly command line thing you can make. Um, but just something where you can start to ground your questions and your learning towards an, a goal instead of just arbitrary, you know, I'm trying to learn Go. Well, how are you doing that? Well, I'm doing these exercises. Okay, well, what's that? What's the point? I don't know. I'm just trying to learn Go. <laughs> and we're back at step one, you know. But if you can ground that learning in some sort of project, even if it's just like, you know, I'm remaking the LS command. <laughs> I don't know. That at least gives you context and, and a driving force because you're not going to learn the entire language in one day and you need to start somewhere and follow a path through as you encounter things. So, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, this is, you know, so many episodes of, of the podcast we've, we've seen time and time again where, you know, you have to align the learning that you're doing with sort of like other things that are happening, whether you're, whether you're aligning with the rest of your team on a project or whether you're aligning with, um, you know, some other effort that's going on in your life or whatever. We just see that time and time again that, that alignment helps to reinforce the learning, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, the Go programming language or whether it's, you know, picking up, you know, how to do infrastructure as code or whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a, that's a really important thing. Um, okay, last question. Any closing mm -hmm. thoughts you would share with listeners on this topic? Um, I really enjoyed uh, Go and I'm still learning. I'm not done uh, by any stretch. Um, I think it's a, a great language. I love, you know, coming from some of a place that, you know, I write a lot of JavaScript, <laughs> do a lot of web programming, having uh, like static binary that's like, hey, here's this thing you can run on your machine. You don't have to NPM install half the world to get there. Um, it's really refreshing. So I think it's totally worth the effort to, to, to learn Go. I think you can solve some interesting problems with it. I like I want to use it for command line tooling for stuff where I would maybe have reached for Node in the past, again, because it's so easy to distribute. And the standard library being so all-encompassing is even better, right? Like I can, you know, someone can, you know, we can jump onto a Go project and there's not that many third-party modules that we also have to add into our mental context of what's going on, right? And that's just, that's great. I really like that. So I would encourage people to do it you know, take, take the plunge. Uh, it's, I, I'll say this one more time because I think it's worth repeating as someone who has gone through uh, and learned Rust uh, in the last year or so. Go is so much more forgiving and easy to pick up than Rust. <laughs> I, I know those two get compared a lot. Uh, I think they get compared a lot for good reason. Like they're, they're solving some of the same problems, but it's just as far as like reading Go and understanding it, picking it up, being able to contribute all of that stuff felt much quicker and more natural than, than Rust. And that's not a knock on Rust. That's just kind of the reality of, of the different trade-offs the languages have made. Um, so yeah, so I'd, I'd recommend it. I'd dive in. Yeah, you know, makes, make, make cool stuff and share it. So Awesome, great. Well, thanks so much, Adam, for your, um, you know, your input, your, your wisdom here and in, in sharing how you helped some other developers get up to speed and how yourself, you know, you've been learning Go as well. Um, so I think that that, uh, that experience and, you know, just sharing that with the listeners is going to be super helpful. So thanks so much for being on the show. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. You bet. And that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. I hope that you find the discussions about learning and using the Go programming language with uh, Lee and Jeremy and Adam useful in your own journey. Should you decide to undertake the 
the challenge, if you will, of learning to program in Go. I know that I um, have learned quite a bit from the discussions and found some useful resources. And uh, I'll be definitely using those resources in my own journey of learning uh, with the Go programming language. As always, your feedback and your um, suggestions for improvement are, are welcome. You can reach me, uh, Scott Lowe, your host, as at Scott underscore Lowe on Twitter. Uh, the podcast has its own Twitter handle as well as at FSJ Podcast. You're welcome to reach out via either account, and we'll be happy to interact with you and uh, hear your feedback, hear your suggestions for how we can improve the show, or if you have suggestions for other guests or topics that we should tackle, we'd love to hear them. We'd also appreciate it if you find the show to be useful, to take a minute and provide some feedback, provide a rating or a review on iTunes or whatever platform that you use to subscribe to the show. Thanks again for listening. 